So 2 Peter chapter 1, if you want to stand, you can. We often do that in this service. And I'm going to read verses 3 through 11. Okay, are you ready? His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Four, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, see that word? Increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Forever lacks these qualities, is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for... Uh, These folks that have gathered this morning, and God, I pray that you would show us, God, how we can grow, show us how we can become more like you, show us, Father, how we can become effective and fruitful, and how we can be sure of our our calling and election and salvation, and God, just teach us these things this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit, and we pray it in Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. All right, so the thing that we really like, I really like about this passage is it talks about the necessity to grow. Did you notice it said, if, if these things, if these Christ-like qualities are in your life and if they are increasing, okay, you guys know what increasing means, right? Like it's getting more, it's getting better, okay? And, and, and really what Second Peter is saying is there is not an option in your Christian life for not growing, Okay. You say, well, man, I've been a Christian for 50 years, and, you know, I really grew for the first 10, but, you know, come on, I've been a Christian so long. Hey, that's not not New Testament Christianity. New Testament Christianity is we are always growing in our faith. We are always increasing in our love for Jesus, increasing in our desire for spiritual things, increasing in our obedience, increasing in our disciple-making. That is God's plan for you, that every believer would be progressing in their faith. Did you ever take your kids to one of those well child checks? You know, I always thought that was kind of a, a scam at first because I thought, you know, my kids are in here every week. You know, how would you, you'd know if they were well or sick, right? They got ear infections and diarrhea and all kinds of, like we're always bringing them in, you know? But like once a year, you're supposed to bring them in for a well child check, you know? And what, you know one of the things they look for in that? Really, we could look for it is are they growing? You know, that's one of the big kind of, you know, things that they'll look for is if they put that little kid on the scale, that three-year-old, four-year-old, they put him on the scale and they're like, you know what? They weigh the same amount that they did last year. You know what the doctor starts to do? He starts to go, hmm, you know, hmm, I wonder wonder if there's something wrong. I I wonder if we need to do some blood tests. I wonder if we need to to look at the diet. You know, are you feeding this kid? You know, we, we need to explore some avenues because they should be growing in the same way you should be growing, okay? Not not physically out. At some point, we need to stop that, okay? And we looked at that the other day in self-control, right? So at some point, we need to stop that. But, but you should be growing spiritually, okay? You, you should be growing in your faith. You, you, nobody should look at you and have to wonder, are, are they 
Are they alive in Christ? Are, are, they, are they believers? Are, are, are they alive in Jesus? Nobody should have to wonder that. Uh, we were in Florida a while back, and my wife was walking with her sister and our kids uh, by a park by my sister-in-law's house. And uh, they come by this, 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 this pond or inlet, some kind of body of water, and there's an alligator, big old alligator right on the side of the pond. And they, they took pictures. They watched the thing for 10 minutes, and it did not move a muscle. And they, they started thinking, man, that thing's dead. That, that's a dead alligator, you know. They watched it. They threw some sticks. They, you know, okay, it's a dead alligator, you know. And so if you know my wife, this kind of makes sense. But she's like, let's go kick it, you know. Let's, let's go get over there. Let's get closer. Let's take pictures with it, you know. And they, they get over there close, and that old alligator, ding, his eye comes open, you know. It, it wasn't dead, okay. I feel like people, though, I, th- I think sometimes people in our community are looking at us and saying, are they alive in Christ? You know, are they, they say they're Christians, but are, are, they, are they really alive? Are, are they really joined to Jesus? Are they really, do they really have the spirit of God inside of them? Probably people want to come over and kick us. Man, are, are you really alive? Like, are, are you really what you say you are? They should not have to do that. Why? Because you should be growing. You should be growing. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how many long years you've been a Christian. You should be increasing in your faith. Okay, that's, that's step one. All right. Now I got really good news. Okay. Because that's true, I got really good news. And the good news from this passage is you have everything you need to grow. Okay. If you're a believer. Okay. So if, if, if you've seen the glory of Jesus and you've said, man, I don't want the world. I don't want my sinful desires. I don't want to live away from God anymore. And you turned away from that and you embraced the gospel. You embraced Jesus' perfect life and his substitutionary death for you on the cross. And you said, I want that. That is, that is mine. I am, I'm trusting you, Jesus. And you, you were joined to him. If that's real in your life, okay, here's what Peter says. You've got everything you need to become like Jesus. You have everything you need to put on Christ-like qualities. You have everything you need for the mission of the gospel. You have everything you need to be obedient to everything he's called you to do. You have got all that you need. Notice verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Man, isn't that good news? Everything that pertains to life in Jesus, everything that pertains to godliness, it says His divine power has granted to you everything that you need. That should encourage your heart this morning. It's discouraging. It's discouraging to be asked to do something and not have what you need. That's discouraging. I remember um, I was in a wedding um, uh, shortly, it was, I was in college, probably I was in a wedding, and we went to the groom's house to spend the night before the, the, the wedding, and, and we all got our tuxes and everything. We tried on everything, make sure everything fit, and I remember I hung my shirt up. This is real smart. I hung my shirt up on the door to make sure that it didn't get wrinkled, okay? And then we left the next morning, drove like three hours to where the wedding was, and my shirt stayed. We all drove, but it stayed there, right? And so I get to the wedding, and Man, I'm supposed to be a groomsman. I don't have what I need. Like, I don't, I don't have one of them roughly shirts, you know. I don't have the little pin. I don't, I don't have. Why? And there's not, like, it was out in the country, like, way out somewhere. There's a rural, rural place. I did not have what I needed to be a groomsman. That's frustrating. That's frustrating. You don't have that problem if you're a believer. Okay, if you're a believer, here's what, here's what Peter very clearly says. You have no spiritual disability, okay? You have no, no spiritual problem that would hinder you from becoming like Jesus Christ. I, I, I really don't like it when Christians say things that are not true, okay? So I hear Christians say things like, well, I've just got a bad temper and I just can't control it. False, okay? 
Not, not, not that you don't. True, you have a bad temper. Okay, I, I agree with that. Okay, I agree with that. You agree with that. Everybody agrees with that. Everybody knows you agree with that. But the fact that you can't, you can't. No, no, that's not true. Because the Bible says that His divine power has given you all that you need for life and godliness. All right? I, I hear Christians say things like, well, I can never share my faith. I can never tell people about Jesus. I can never pray in public. I've heard people say that over and over again. I, I, just, I can't. I can't pray. What is this I can't stuff? The Holy Spirit of God is inside of you, and He has supplied everything that you need for life and godliness. And so that's just a lie. This whole reality that I can't do this thing that God is calling me to do. I can't, I can't understand the Bible or I can't you know, sing praise to Jesus. I can't give my testimony. I can't endure hardship. Or I, I can't serve in ministry. That is just not true. That's, not, that's crazy talk because the Bible is clear that he has given you everything you need. His divine power, his infinite power. Verse 3, his divine power, his infinite power, the power that, that created a billion sons with the voice of his, of his mouth. Okay, that power is is available to you. It's been granted. That's what verse 3 says. His divine power has been granted to us for all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have everything you need. You have everything you need to live, to really live, to live abundantly, to live for Christ, to live for His glory, to say no to sin, to say no to lust, to say no to anger, to say no to anxiety. You've got that power inside of you. It's in Christ. It's in the Holy Spirit. You've got, you've got power to be free from pride and free from selfishness, to overcome addictions and to break the chains of bitterness, to live a holy life, to have joy in the midst of suffering. You have that in you in Christ. You have everything you need. Now, how do you access it? That's a good question. Keep reading. Verse 3. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. All right, him is Jesus, okay? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. All right, now, first of all, don't, don't miss knowledge or knowing there, okay? So when a lot of people think about knowledge, they think about knowing facts about. Man, I'm telling you what, there's a huge difference between a person who knows Jesus, like experiences Jesus, and the person who knows facts about Jesus. The person who knows Jesus, okay, they're, they're going to heaven. They're, they're going to be transformed. Their life's going to change radically. The person who knows facts about Jesus is going to hell, okay? Because even the demons know facts about Jesus. That's what James tells us. All right, so it, knowledge there is not just, okay, I got to know 10 things about Jesus. No, no, no. It's actually knowing him. You remember in, in the gospel in Matthew where Jesus says at the, at the last day, um, there's going to be people there like, hey, Jesus, we did this, 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 this. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. That, is, that doesn't mean Jesus is like, I don't know who you are. What's your name? You know, I, that, that's not what that means. That means I didn't have a relationship with you. Like me and you, we didn't have fellowship. We didn't interact. We didn't, we didn't share together, okay? So, so it's knowing him, knowing Christ, all right? So how, how do we have this knowledge? Through the knowledge, okay, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory. See, you're called to experience his glory and his excellence, right? Jesus is glorious and he's excellent. Glorious in the sense that he is the best at everything. Power, mercy, love, grace. He's the top, okay? Excellence. What, is, what does excellence mean? Excellence means that Jesus is the best. He's the best man. He's the noblest hero. He's the finest friend. He's the most courageous warrior. He's the wisest counselor. He's the most compassionate comforter. He's the most delightful companion. And, and here's what the Bible's saying. Seeing, experiencing, knowing that Jesus, knowing him in his glory and excellence, man, it gives you the power 
to say no to sin. It gives you the power to be free. Now, if, if we followed, I, I know it's down a little further, but if you kept reading here, okay? So, so verse 3 ends with see, or the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. If you keep reading, verse 4, by which he's granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. That means become like Jesus, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. You see, when you see Jesus' glory and excellence... It breaks the hold that sin has on you. All right? Hear me out here. It breaks the hold. Now, your question to me is going to be how? how? How does seeing Jesus' glory and excellence, how does that break the hold of sin? All right, I want you to imagine a scenario for me, okay? Let's just say that you grew up in a place where you only got gruel. I don't know what gruel is, but I've heard it's bad, all right? So like gruel, like just, you know, nasty soup. Okay, that's all you had to eat was gruel, gruel in the morning, gruel at night, every day, okay? But then every once in a while, your mom would come out with this big smile, and she would say, guys, I got a surprise. I got a surprise for you today. What is it, mom? What is it? What is it? Spam, you know? And you're like, yes, right? Because you've been eating gruel, like, like every day, every meal, all you've had is gruel, right? And she comes out with this delicious, mysterious meat, you know? And you're like, oh, oh, the kids are jumping up and down. I want more spam. He got a bigger piece than me, you know? You're just like eating up, eating the spam, right? Okay, that's your life. That's all you've ever known. That's all you've ever known. And all of a sudden, you get invited to the Martin small group. You get there. Oh, oh. You eat potatoes and chicken and, and beef and green. Oh, man, it's just the best thing. And then, and, then, and then Karen's like, all right, guys, I've got a surprise. And she comes out with this delicious whipped cream, peanut buttery, graham cracker crust awesomeness, you know. And you eat that and, oh, my, things you've never experienced before are happening, right? Like in your mind, it's firecrackers are firing off and you're just pleasure that you've never, never experienced before. And then you go back home. And your mom says, honey, we saved some spam for you. <laughs> I don't want that. Okay. So, come back. How, how, does, how, does, how does the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, how does that break the hold of sin in your life? Your whole life. You've been, you've been chasing idols. You've been chasing sex. You've been chasing drugs. You've been chasing alcohol. You've been chasing power. You've been chasing control. You've been chasing selfish ambition. You've been chasing, I want everybody to look at me. I want everybody to think well of me. I want, I want to be the best. I want to be the top. You know, that, that's what you've been chasing, and it has let you down time and time and time again. Man, you're, you haven't experienced life. And all of a sudden, you come to Jesus. It's glory and excellence. Now you got something better. You see, you see how that works? You see, you see how, 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 how Christ giving you something better breaks the chain on that other stuff. I was thinking about, um, this morning I was thinking about what have been the most impactful verses in my spiritual growth? Like what have been the verses that really just made me just, propelled me to seek Jesus. You know what's really funny? 
and, I, and I'm not saying you could have different ones, and I'm just telling my own personal experience, none of them are commands. And they all are verses that really are similar, okay? So, so I, I, mean, I, can, I can tell you when I read them. Psalm 1611, walking outside here. I remember we still had that old brown bus, that thing that broke down every time we went to Falls Creek, every year. We had, and that brown bus was parked over there, and I'm walking past. I got my Bible open. I'm reading through the Psalms. I'm praying the Psalms, and I came across Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Reading that, like it just hit in my heart. It was like eating that dessert, like like it was like, oh my, Jesus just told me that in him is fullness of joy. In him are pleasures forevermore. Dude, I want it. Like I, I just remember just excitement welling up in me. Man, I'm going after that. I'm going after it. I want it. Psalm 63.3. I say it every day on the way to school with my kids. Why do I say it every day? I just want them to, I want them to get it. It's just a real simple verse. But it says this, because your steadfast love is better than life, so my lips will praise you. Because your steadfast love is better than life, better than mountain biking, better than relationships with the opposite sex, better than food, better than drink, better than money, better than success, better. It's better. Man, things like that, they grip me. They grab hold of me. And, and like, I don't want that other junk. That junk, I've tried it, it doesn't satisfy. I, 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 want, I want life. Psalm 36, you drink from the river of my delights. Man, stuff like that just charges me up. Psalm 73, 25 and 26, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. No, 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 so that's, that's Psalm 16. Psalm 73 is, uh, how does it go? Oh, it's right up there. My flesh, whom have I in heaven but you? <laughs> Who am I in heaven but you? <laughs> There's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and heart may fill, but you're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Man, those things charge me up. All right, so, so that's pretty cool, right? Right? I got better. It's better. Better yet, okay? Let's put another layer of better on, okay? So not only have you been given everything you need to be transformed, to grow, okay, through the knowledge of Jesus, who called us his own glory and excellence. But look at verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. All right, so not only is Jesus this, is he glory and excellence, okay? But now add the reality that Jesus has promised me certain things. He has, he has made these binding commitments that he would be this thing in my life. That he would do this in my future. All right, so now you got glory and excellent Jesus, okay, who is saying, Jason, this is what I've done for you. This is what I will do for you. This is my promise to you. Man. Now, again, how does that change me? How does that make me grow? Well, here's the deal the devil's been writing me hot checks my whole life, okay? I'm tired of that. My flesh has been writing me hot checks my whole life, and I'm, I'm sick of that. Sinful desire has been writing hot checks to me my whole life, and I'm done with that. I'm, I'm done with expecting those things to be what they're, they're, they're not. They, they don't, they're hot, okay? You see, see the promises of God, they're, they're God saying, I, that's what a check is, right? When someone writes you a check, what are they saying? I promise to pay you this. That's what they're saying, okay? 
The promises of the Bible are God saying, I promise to be this for you. Okay, now here, here's what I found. My sin has written me checks my whole life. My flesh has. It promises me, hey, you go after that. You watch that. You pursue that. You be that. You say that. You'll be satisfied. Every one of them has been a disappointment. All right? So I'm, I'm tired of the hot checks. I'm going to the one who fulfills his word. You see, Jesus, he never lets you down. His promises are true. You can count on them. And, and, and because I know they're true, e- even when they haven't been fulfilled yet, it changes the way that I live. I've not been to heaven yet. I haven't been there. It's coming, though, for me. And, man, there's nothing in this world that you could do to convince me that it's not. Like, I'm sure of it, right? See how that changes me? I realized this morning at the 830 service when I came in, I realized that I, I, didn't, I don't think I've really seen my wife since Thursday. And we live in the same house. Isn't that strange? But, but Friday morning, I got up real early and, and went to my, my regular DT, and she was gone when I got back. And then she was asleep when I got home that night. And then Saturday morning, she left super early with Haven, and they were in Enid at a softball tournament all day. And I went to bed about 11.30, and they got back sometime after midnight. And then this morning, I left the house really early before she, I, 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 when I saw her at the 8.30, I haven't seen you since Thursday, you know? I mean, like, she was sleeping in the bed, but like, it's dark, you know? I, mean, I, I haven't seen my wife since Thursday. You know what's really cool, though? I knew exact. there was not a doubt in my mind that we'd still be married. Like, you know, isn't that great? Like, I haven't seen you since Thursday, but like, I, w- I didn't have to get, hey, are we still married? Is things still good? I, I, you know what's even cooler? I didn't have to wonder how she would greet me. I knew exactly how she would greet me. I came in, went in the row right beside him. She put her arm around me, hugged me, put her head on my shoulder. And I, I, I knew that it would be that way. You, you know how I know all this? I know you're thinking I'm a prophet. No, I'm not. I know all this because she and I have a promise. You guys should try it. It's called marriage, okay? And, and so basically what, what I promised her is, I'll be this for you. I'll be this for you no matter what till death. And she said, hey, I'll be this for you, no matter what, till death. And so we, we got a promise. And so e- even, even when we don't see each other, we still rest on that promise. Hey, this, this is the way it is, okay? Now, Jesus, his character, way above Emma or eyes, okay? It's possible that we would, we'd fail on our promise. That's possible. It's not, promise, it's not possible that Jesus would fail. So his promise is way up here, okay? And we can count on them. We can count on them. Man, is that, is that what the promises of God do for you? Like, do they, do they move you to pursue Jesus? Do they move you to run hard after Christ? That's what they ought to do in your life. Hey, do you have some? In, there's thousands in the Scriptures. Well, so I was reading John MacArthur. He's a, he's a famous Bible teacher in California. He's a preacher. He's written all kinds of commentaries. I love him. His commentaries are great. He, I was reading his commentary in this section, and he's like, you know, just think about all the promises of God. He listed a whole bunch, okay? I, I'm not going to use any of those. Like, like, they're good, but they're not as good as the ones I'm going to use, right? Like, that's how many there are in the Bible, right? The, the two guys that, that are preaching the Word, we, we would automatically gravitate toward the same ones. Like, like. Like, the ones that I use are different than the ones that he uses every day. I'll probably start using some of his, and he he may start using some of mine. But what I'm saying is the Bible is full of promises. How about this one? Did you guys sin this week? No? That is awesome. (laughs) 
This is the best church in town. I'm telling you. Isn't that awesome? Well, I did. Sorry. Um, I did. And you, you know what I did when I sinned? I immediately grabbed a promise. See, I, man, I just, I felt dumb and stupid. And, man, why, why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? Why'd you, you know? Like, I, I just, I was like, ah! And so you know what I did? I grabbed a promise. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's that doing you? I'll tell you what it does in me. Like when I feel like I'm a failure, man, I, I blew that. Man, I just want to go hide. You know what 1 John 1, 9 says? You know what it does in me? It says, no, no, no. Jason, you're still my son. You're still my son. You're forgiven. I died on the cross for that sin. I was butchered on the cross to pay for that. Now, I'm, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. Now, you get up and don't ever do that again. Go out and do great things. All right, I will. I was visiting one of our dear members. She's bedridden and uh, really suffering. Such a beautiful saint. And I was trying to encourage her. She's holding her hand. And I said, hey, you know what Romans 8.28 says? It says that God works all things together for good. I got to about that point, she finished the verse. God works all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. But man, I know you're suffering. I don't know why, but I know this. God promises he's going to work this together for good. What's that doing you? You know what that does in me? That makes me want to go. Makes me want to, hey, man, this is tough, but God's going to use it. You got verses? You got promises? Matthew 6, 33. Man, I come back to that one all the time. Especially when I'm busy. Especially when I got, you ever got a whole bunch of things pressing on you? You know, grabbing at you? It's like, this got to be done, this got to be done, this got to be done, this got to be done. But then you're like, but I really want to spend time with the Lord. I really, I really want to do His work. I, hey, this person's right in front of me. They need to be ministered to, but I really need to be somewhere else. You know, you know what Matthew 6, 33 says? It says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You know what that verse does for me? Man, I, I get on, stand on it. All right, Jesus, I feel pulled in a thousand directions, but you told me if I'd seek you first, you'd, you'd take care of that stuff. You'd help me with that stuff. Somehow it'd be okay. All right, so, all right, I'm seeking you first. Isaiah 41.10, for 10 years, I've kind of gotten out of the habit, for 10 years probably, especially the first 10 years here, I'd, I'd, I'd get up out of one of these chairs up front, and as I walked to the pulpit to preach on Sunday morning, I'd say Isaiah 41.10. You know, fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. Behold, I'll help you. Behold, I'll strengthen you. I'll hold you with my righteous right hand. I wouldn't say it out loud. I'd say, just say it in my head to myself. Man, man, I, I can't tell you how encouraging that was. First 10 years as a pastor here, I can't tell you how many times I get up and say, man, God, this is all I got to offer. It's bad, you know. God, this is a terrible sermon ever, you know. God, I love these people, and I want to I give them something good. God, you got to help me. So I, what am I saying on the way up here? I'm saying a promise. Isaiah 41.10. That's the power of the Christian life. So do you see what we got so far? We got God telling you, you have everything you need to grow. You have everything you need to be all that God's commanded you to be. Okay? You got Jesus in his glory and excellence which is you, you start to know him, man, it loosens your attachment to sin. And then you got Jesus 
promising you that he's going he's gonna to be this and do this for you. So you grab hold of them. You stand on them. You know what that does? That propels you to what I would call spiritual effort. Okay? Look at verse 5. By the way, this is actually, if we weren't in this discipleship series, I would have taken three or four weeks on this. Okay? Sorry. But look at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. You know what make every effort means? Try hard. Like, like give it all you got. Okay, in the Christian life, make every effort, okay, because of the promises of God, because of the glory of Jesus, because he's done this for you, make every effort to what? To supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. What are all those? Those are, those are Christ-like qualities. They aren't the only ones. But what, what Peter's saying is, because of his glory, because of his promises, because you have everything you need to grow, all right, now give effort to growing. Give effort to virtue. Virtue is moral excellence. It's being above reproach. It's being a person of integrity, all right? Maybe you've always lied in a certain situation, all right? Hey, you don't need to do that anymore. Why, why, do you, why do you lie in certain situations? Use this because you're afraid of what's going to happen, right? You've always lied in a certain situation. You're always afraid of what's going to happen. But now, now that you know Jesus, now that you know his glory and excellence, that he's better than anything that you could be promised on this earth, and that he's promised you, I'll be with you always. I'm going to work everything out for good. Seek me first. Now you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give effort to putting on character. And I'm not going to lie. Hey, what's going to happen? I don't know. Well, I'm going to trust him because he won't let me down. See what that does? Add to your faith, add to virtue, add uh, knowledge, knowledge of Christ. Add self-control. Remember self-control a few weeks ago? It's saying no to lesser things so you can say yes to greater things. Okay, so when a person grabs onto the glory and excellence of Jesus and the promises of God, all of a sudden he's able to say, you know what? This is better. And and, and this is always pulling at me, and this is always grabbing at me, but I'm going to go here because it's better, and I trust that life's in Jesus. Self-control adds steadfastness, the ability to hold up under difficult things, godliness, a reverence for God, brotherly affection. Man, I know, you came to church thinking, I'm going to go be around some perfect people. That's why you came to church, right? Then you got here, and you thought, I must be in the wrong place. You looked around. You saw. Mm-hmm. I saw him too. It's us, right? Hey, you know what? The Bible says because of Jesus, you go love that person. Ah, they're hard to love. I know. But, but you love them because you believe the promises of God. You see, that, that engine enables us to make every effort. All right. Are we all on board there? Make every effort. So what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this soap's Bible reading? Huh? What are you going to do with it? I'll tell you what we're probably going to do with it, right? What's our tendency? I ain't doing that, right? <laughs> Throw it away. That's why we put two of them in your bulletin. You still got one. <laughs> right? I knew what you was going to do, right? You're going to say, I ain't need no Bible. I read my Bible for 92 years another way. I ain't reading it no other way. You threw it away. All right, you still got one. Okay, so we're still, we're still on bad here. All right, what are you going to do? You're going to make every effort. Why? 
Because Jesus is glorious. Right? He's glorious. He's everything you need. The promises in the Bible, they're life-changing. All right, so we still got one. So let's, let's, let's open up to Matthew 5 tonight. Let's, let's read a little bit. Let's pick a verse out. Let's, let's say, okay, what does it say? Observation. Let's make an application. You know what? I need to go do this because of that. Let's, let's write out a prayer. Jesus, help me with that. Who are you going to share it with? You know what? I could share that with Pastor Jason. He could, okay, share it with me. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're one of these social media people. You share it with everybody. Put it on Facebook, okay? Awesome. Unless your application is something like, I won't embezzle money from my company more. Then you should probably take care of that privately, okay? <laughs> Depending on what your application is. Well, who, who are you going to share that with? But here's the deal. You're going to make every effort. Make every effort. Real quickly, look at verse 8. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, so if, if virtue, knowledge, self-control, godliness, love, brotherly affection, if those are yours and they're increasing, they're growing, look what happens. Keep you from being ineffective. You're going to be effective or unfruitful. You're going to be fruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, whoever lacks these qualities, they've got a problem, don't they? What's their problem? They're so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. If you're not growing in these qualities, you've either got an eyesight problem, you're not seeing the glory of Jesus. You're not seeing that he's better. Or you've got an amnesia problem. You have forgotten that he saved you. You've forgotten that you were headed to hell. You've forgotten that you were under the wrath of God forever. And God called you to himself. In his mercy, he saved you. He was butchered on a cross for you. He raised from the dead to give you life. You've forgotten that. You need to remember that. You need to see his glory and you need to remember what he's done. What he's done for you. Man, guys, I'm... this Zume deal, it's nothing special as far as there's no new stuff in there you know you're not going to read that the discipleship tools and watch those videos and it's going to say eat cantaloupes with ketchup and you'll be free from sin you know some kind of crazy this is just stuff like read your bible pray you know trust jesus do what he said right but man can you imagine the power if we all walked out of here and did that can you imagine what God would do? I can't wait to see. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, God, to God just remind us of your promises. Lord, I pray that these people would grab on to what your word has promised, what your word has said. I pray that they'd grab on to how glorious, how excellent you are, Jesus, in every way. And God, I pray that you'd give them power to live the Christian life, that you give them power to to love, to add virtue, to add self-control, to add steadfastness, to add godliness, to add brotherly affection. God, to, to run hard at being like you. God, give us, give us the will to make every effort toward these things. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name.